Walter, how am I going to... Show her fucking show. Oh, fuck. Not that's it. I'm out of here. Oh, come on, dude. Dude! Dude! Ah, what? You just tell him, uh, you tell him we made the drop and everything went, you know. Oh, yeah, how'd it go? Well, all right. Dude's car got a little dinged up. Walter, we didn't make the fucking handoff, man. They didn't get the fucking money. They're going to kill that poor woman. They're going to kill that poor woman. Hey, Walter, if you can't ride in a car, then how do you get around on Shaman? Really, dude, you surprised me. They're not going This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. It allows life to exist in the bleak black emptiness of space providing insight i don't know she said that <laughs> maybe saint sneaker comes and like puts little trinkets in the commentary he's found himself in a world turned upside down <laughs> flare 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 and conjecture it looks like the pool is empty they shot it all on a green screen you can't do a pickup and now bound up my friend Regulators! Mount up. I really want a way to, like, play these sounds. I was gonna have my iPhone, like, queue up, you know, Regulators by Warren G. But, uh, well, I didn't do it. So. Next time. Next time. You have a new computer. I really want to hear about this first. Okay. I'm not sure what there is to say. Well, what do you got? It's a, uh... It's a Windows. It's a... Windows uh, 8. Is exactly what it is. Acer. It's an Acer. They make a good product. Actually, it's an Asus. Oh, that's the high-tech shit. Nice. Yes. Nice. And it has... It weighs 17 pounds, (laughs) but the screen detaches. Right. And it's a touch screen. Right, so and it's an and it's a nineteen inch screen. Right, so, carried yeah. around with you, you know, short distances. Yes. Sweet man, that's awesome. The only thing better would be to build it yourself from components that you ordered from Tiger Direct. But you know, this is an acceptable alternative, I would say. Yes, yes. You know, that's gone by the wayside. Building your own computers. A colleague of mine has just ordered parts to build his own computer. Yeah, I mean, it still, I guess, makes sense in some regards, especially if you're, like... I mean, there, I think there used to be some, like, idea that that was, like, a way to, like, build a computer for less. No pun intended. It was a way to game the system. Exactly. Because most of them were gamers. Yes. Well... That's what I was going to say. For gamers, that's still the thing that, that makes sense. I think it's still valid. For these hardcore gamers, it's yeah. still valid. But, I mean, yeah, you can go... If you want a cheap computer, well, one, you can go to, like, Walmart and, and get and pick up the Asus. But then also... Yes. I don't know. Like, with just I'm just thinking, you know, how computers now are things like... 
phones and tablets. And it's interesting you mentioned this because my son said he wanted to build a phone. He didn't just want to like buy like an iPhone off the rack. You know, he wanted to, to build one. Whoa. Like buy the components and assemble them himself. So I looked into just to have care. Like, is that even possible? Yeah. Is that possible? And it's not too possible. It is like a couple years ago, there were people interested in this and there was a couple different, it seemed like companies trying to go this way. But the thing was, it was astron. It was like really expensive. So doing it in no way would be like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, get the cheap components or something. Kind of how it used to be like maybe in the 90s with with PCs. It was really just... uh, because, you know, again, with the miniaturization and the integration of the parts and then the assembly and bulk and everything, like you can get this, you know, you can get a phone from Apple or Motorola or whoever, like way cheaper than buying the individual parts yourself and trying to like assemble them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you would have thought that it would have like the price would have come down by now and that would have been a reasonable thing you could do if you were technically inclined enough yeah i think it's just with the economies of scale and integration that these companies have you can't actually do it yourself at that same cost that they can even give it to you for you know what's funny about that i i saw a a guy I follow on twitter posted this uh stat it's uh one gigabyte of storage over time Oh yeah, okay, I could imagine. So nineteen eighty one I get the picture. Nineteen eighty one, a gigabyte of storage was three hundred thousand dollars. Nineteen eighty seven, fifty thousand dollars. Nineteen ninety, ten thousand dollars. Nineteen ninety four, one thousand dollars. And that's about when I became aware even of this amount of storage was about in the 94 95 range by 1997 one gigabyte of storage was a hundred dollars 2000 10 bucks <laughs> 2004 one dollar 2012 10 cents nice it went from three hundred thousand dollars for a gigabyte of storage to what is that? 10, 20, 31 years later, 10 cents. 10 cents. 10 friggin' cents. Which is, yes, I mean, yeah. There's no debating that. I see a hard drive, like a 500 gig hard drive, which is embarrassingly small. I'm not paying more than 40, 45 bucks for that. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. You kidding me? Well, you can get like a 64. Well, I guess that's 64. What is yeah. this? What is this? Russia circa 1972? You know? I'm not paying more than 40 bucks for a 500 gig hard drive. Yeah. So there is, going back to this whole modularity thing, I just want to close the loop on that because I think there's one thing I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Motorola is apparently had some secret. I don't know if it's, I guess it's not secret since we know about it, but a... Uh, right, you know about it. It can't be right. that secret. Exactly. You're not some member of the uh, technology Illuminati, the right. tech technology. There's a term for that. But yeah, Motorola is trying to put some phone together. Like The idea is it would be a modular design. So it'd be like, oh yeah, just pop out the camera, pop in the camera you want, pop out the storage, 
Oh, you want a new screen? Take off the screen, put another screen on. See, I love that idea. That's what Red Camera does. You know, there's the brain, but then, you know, there's different storage options, different monitor options, different lens options, you know, and then you, you know, you build your, your rig around the brain, but then when, for instance, they've recently kicked up the resolution from 4K to 6K, take the brain out, sure, it's another 20 grand, but pop a new brain in, you don't have to get rid of your monitor or your solid-state drive or anything. Bam. Modularity. Their tagline is rendering obsolescence obsolete. So there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Well, both a red camera that is so uh, expensive compared to, like, a smartphone that... True. You know, you get a new one every two years for 200 bucks or right. less. We just throw it in the trash and it ends up in Central Africa and small children wade through piles of refuse trying to eke out right. subsistence by right. collecting little pieces of aluminum and platinum. Yeah. Well, that, again, there you go. Yes. Sustainable, it may not be. Economical, perhaps, for now it is. For us, anyway. So we're on episode 40. Uh, an We've apology. made it there. Now an apology, and forgive me for incurring the wrath of the temporal police, but... I'll go for it. Because, you know... Screw the temporal police, I don't care about them anymore. Right. Because we're done with guys. them right now. We're As of we today, are we are done with the temporal police. So let's just be upfront. We've had a buffer up until this point. We would record some episodes and have them kind of on deck and then release them at yeah. will. Yeah, so we could record an episode, and it might be five weeks to even two months before it would actually be released to the world. <laughs> but over time, we slowly diminished that little uh, you know, hopper of episodes that we had until, I guess today, which is meaningless to the listener, but today... Where we no longer have a buffer. Yes. Well, today... We record, we release. Today is Tuesday, November 5th. Oh, boy, you really did just just dive in, didn't you? I did. So, we'll see. Ooh. Hopefully, this episode will be released, I'm going to say, on the, on the, the 7th. Well, th- well, the 7th, the previous one hasn't even been released anymore. Well, that will is- be released on the 6th, and then this one could be released on the 7th. This Maybe is like the sh- shittiest Back to the Future movie. <laughs> this is like Back to the Future 4, you know, where they really didn't think it through. Uh, but anyway, so we're caught up, I guess. But we had, um, I don't know, it was probably the worst period of um, non-releasing ever. Yeah, it's I, I pretty went back, bad. I, I looked, it was October 2nd that we released the last yeah. episode. So That's it's over unacceptable. A month. Unacceptable. Completely, completely unacceptable. That I, can never happen. You know, I say that frequently myself. I just said that, I think, yesterday. Quoting, and you know it, yeah, on the air. Quoting Miguel Ferrar and on the air. Yeah. As the, the uh, angry network <coughs> television exec. 
Right, because you know Zablotnik's going to be on the red phone with fire coming out of it. Because he's watching live, and when, you know, shit hits the fan, he's not pleased. Yeah, well, that's why we do not broadcast these episodes live. Oh, can you imagine? I do not want the fire spewing out of me real time. <sighs> coming right out of the camera. It's pointing right at my face right now. Yeah, that would be terrible. But anyway, we are caught up, and we're going to be... We're theoretically caught up, but I guess, we can, I guess we'll know when we see when this episode actually gets released. We're, we're kind of time-stamping it now. We're, yeah. We're painting ourselves into a temporal corner. So, I'm cool with it, though. I think we're going to be good from now on out. It was a... It, we were both very busy this last month or so. Yeah, very true. But still, but that, no, no excuse. It's no excuse. No excuse. But you know, sometimes there's life. Sometimes. This podcast. There's life. Is high on my priority list. Mine too. But unfortunately, it cannot be priority one. Nope. Unfortunately. It's somewhere in there, maybe priority three. Yeah, it's, it's maybe in... four. It's in the two to four range. Yeah. Th three to five, two to five, somewhere in there. Uh, before we get too far, I'd like to have a moment of silence, if we could, for our esteemed colleague, Simon Tarr, who, really, I was just using him to get close to his esteemed colleague and friend, Spammy Dog, Spamson J. Tarr, uh, who passed away. And that's that's a tough thing. You've gone through this recently. Yeah, that's rough. I. So, I'd like a moment of silence for Spammy Dog. Begin. Thank you, Spammy Dog. Wherever you are. Well, that's the great thing about Spammy Dog. If you want to follow Spammy Dog, he's at Spammy Dog on Twitter. And he is... You know, currently unshackled by the uh, tethers of his mortal remains. So, he's cruising the ether. So, follow him. Very amusing. But, moving on from that, I guess we've got a minute to talk. Or, wait. No, we're supposed to, like, pimp our shit right now, right? Ugh. Yeah, gutterballs.tv. Yeah, gutterballs.tv. Go there. You can find most things. Most things are there. Tumblr at you see what happens, Lebowski.tumblr. Well, if you were a word to go to gutterballs.tv, you will find there the links to, to everything. To but our... you won't find the YouTube channel, right? Well, I don't ever go there. Let me look it up. No, it's not there. The it's not there. We well, never talked only... about Okay, we'll add the YouTube channel. There, there's only two videos on there. It's not well, like that's a worthwhile experience. The anymore. YouTube channel really, it's kind of a subsection of the Tumblr because all those videos get true posted there. That's, that's but, true. But what I will mention about the website uh, briefly is that it does have the link to the Facebook now. Okay, they, I see it. Very and good. Nice work. We do have uh, comments. Oh, we do? Well, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I set this up like three weeks ago. You didn't. I sent you a note. You didn't notice. There's comments. 
Oh, you mean we have the ability for comments. Okay, yes, not yes, actual yes, yes. comments. No, not, okay. no. the okay. amount of comments is zero. Okay. zero we have the right. ability for comments. Yes. Right, no, I knew so, that. I was very confused. I was like looking, wait, really? Somebody commented on something? So here no. is your opportunity to be our first commenter. You can go to gutterballs.tv and leave a comment on your favorite episode. Well, we got put in our place a little bit by Joss Whedon because he wanted to be part of the conversation. Meanwhile, fuck that guy because how many comments has he left in the interim? None. Thanks, Joss. Can't trust anybody these days, Brad. You know, people talk a good game, but, you know, rubber meets the road. Where are they? You know, you draw a line in the sand, cross this line, you do not... And actually, Joss Whedon is not the preferred nomenclature. It's John Whipple. Let's just face it. He did beg us for these comments, and you put them there. And nary a comment, John Whipple. Thank you. Well, now maybe now that we've put the official call out. Yeah, we, we threw it down. We threw the gauntlet down. We'll see so. what we have. Yep. All right, so that's out of the way. Gutterballs.tv. Gutterballs.tv. Follow us on Twitter, Guttercast, at Guttercast, right? Isn't that what it is? Yep. I don't know. The best uh, social media strategy ever. <laughs> Give our podcast name and Twitter handle a different, <coughs> different name. Everything's different. You know, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. Yep, yep. I'm sick also, so there's that. I've been sick for a while. Well, uh, other than the hacking, you seem like you have a, quite a bit of uh, vigor there. So, yeah, I got vigor. You're not. Uh, you're not. Uh, you're still bringing it for the listeners, which I appreciate. Consummate I, professional. It's it's all for the listeners, Brad. We've got a bit of a minute here that we could talk about. Yeah, let's do that. Let's jump into that. I guess I know it's a little soon. We're not even at the 20-minute mark. Usually it's the 30-minute mark before we actually... Well, you know, I feel like now that we're in the temporal corner, we're also going to start slowly working our way to talking about the the actual minute earlier. Well, maybe so. Could be happening. Could be happening. But Could not be, but it could be happening. I got no revisits. Well, it's so been long so long. Ago. Yeah, it no was like clue. six months ago that we recorded the last. <laughs> I have no clue what even happened. Pretty much, this is like just starting a new show all over. So that's good. Basically, so, the only thing I remember is that ending the last episode, you had said something about Donnie's shirt. And I guess it says Austin okay. on it, and then you mentioned some kind of patch. So we could. I guess, you know, Donnie comes rolling up, um, announcing the results of the round, and they made it in there, and they're going to roll on Saturday, which sets Walter off. But his shirt says Austin, so another new name on his shirt, and a little, like, badge on his left um not shoulder, but... Uh, well, on his sleeve. On his it's sleeve. a short sleeve, yeah. So, first of all, 
Austin is written in cursive. Mm-hmm. But it almost looks like Austin. Well, the N has this weird thing that rolls out of it. But it doesn't. The N is complete. If you look at it... Right, it kind of goes up. The N is complete, and then it goes up into like something else, and then comes over as a little half underline. With yeah, but, but it's in cursive, so when you're in cursive, doesn't the N kind of have that little upward thing? At the end of it? Doesn't it? Here, I'm going to try to write Austin in cursive right now. Well, you write Austin in cursive. As I write Austin it. in cursive, I write it with a little upwards fling on it at the end. So you'd have to fling it up, and then if you're going to come back underneath the underline, you'd have to come around, and it would yeah. look like an extra letter. It would, in essence, thing. look like that. That's how I would do it if I was writing Austin in cursive and then wanted to, like, with a single stroke from the end, go and then underline Austin. But, but you're not writing Austin in cursive because you're you're stitching this onto the shirt. So you've got a sewing machine there. You're not going to instinctively do the little upswing. Well, you might use you might think of it as a pattern. I mean, that's how you would write it in cursive. Well, it almost looks like handwritten. It's almost like they took someone's signature and said, "I'm going to emblazon it on this shirt." But it's a stitch job. Yeah. I mean, I, I well, yeah, it was saying a, it's no, a, it's a stitch, but it's a stitch to pattern, look, but to look handwritten. They they used the I don't know how you stitch something, but with the foreknowledge that I am going to use the tail end of the N as a half underline, I wouldn't go so aggressively up to make it look like an extra letter there, you know, because that's the whole thing with cursive. Like you adapt to the next letter. In the sequence. True. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you that. I'll give you a point for that. I'll give you that. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't sound so you know reticent to give me that point. I mean, it's just if if you know that the next move you got to do is coming back around, going the opposite direction. Don't go so aggressively up. That's all. I mean, it makes sense. I'll definitely give you that. I'll give you that. Legibility-wise, this confuses it. Austin-y. Austin-y is what that makes it look like. Or austin -j. Is it a J? Is it a Y? It's too much. And it looks like they realized halfway through the, up, the upswing that this was going to, you know, affect legibility. And they kind of cut it off. That's true. The way it only goes up the upswing halfway. Right. Just a little bit. It's like, mm, shit, this is going to look weird. And then it's like, let's go back around. So Austin's mom or grandma or whoever stitched this for him, who probably did the entire team's shirts. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, give Austin's grandmother too much shit. It's a nice, it was very kind of her to stitch the names on all their shirts, but a little weird, a little weird. I don't remember what the other names were like on his shirts, but it seems like they were a little more together than this one. Yeah, this, this is very like off the cuff. Right. This name. Yeah. And what about the patch there? Yeah, I can't get a good make on a good uh, no, me view of it really. One thing I will say about uh, Donnie here is the reaction shot 
after Walter explodes. Yeah. Is weird. Like, it's, and again, it's something that I never noticed watching the movie and all the previous times I watched it. But again, watching this minute repeatedly, there's something about it that just starts to stand out to me. Like, it just seems very awkwardly placed. Like, are you, t- are you talking about the sheesh? I'm talking about, like, are you talking about after the dude storms? Up? I'm talking about the sheesh. What's wrong with the sheesh? It just seems like it was inserted in there awkwardly for some reason. Like the way it cuts to him, cuts back, he makes that reaction. Maybe it's just that it reminds me of in Samurai Cop when he's uh, flirting with the nurse and I keep cutting back to his partner making all the faces. <laughs> like it seems very much like that. Like if you go to like about like, you know, like 39. 20, 21, like, it's just him making a weird face. It's just Donnie, it just cuts to Donnie making a weird face. And the thing that's strange about this whole thing, like, they never, do they ever, when do they establish Donnie and 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 uh, Walter? Do they do that at all? No, it's the same thing with the Jesus, where they never show them physically present together. Yeah. Well, in the Jesus, at least it had that weird shot where it went from him to them. Remember that really weird, like, thing? Right, where they faked it. They faked it. This is like, yeah, it's the same thing. But so that's maybe partly what's weird. It's just like all of a sudden there's this weird, like, cut between, like, uh, you know, Walter sitting there, then, like, Donnie. And it's just Donnie's, like, just straight on. Like, you know, the camera's just, like, straight on Donnie. just right there, and the camera's just, like... I don't know. It just seems like it's just like inserted. Maybe it's just okay. the lack of that like establishing well, shot that makes it, shot that makes it seem that way, or the fact that we see Walter go on for so long, then it cuts back to Donnie after see, a this, while. This doesn't bother me. That it so it bothered me a little bit with Smokey. Remember where you know when he was over the line. And then they would cut back to him, and he was framed dead center. And then they'd cut back to the dude and Walter. And, you know, they were framed all nicely, each on their third. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, go back to Smokey. Right down the middle. You know, and that's what they're doing here. They're, they're just something about... They must have planned this. Something about, and actually I can see the microphone underneath Donnie's shirt as I'm looking at this, but I'm at 39.21, but we'll get to that. Something about this bowling alley, maybe it's like they're trying to disconnect people. It's almost like the bowling alley is somewhere where the characters come together but they're still disconnected. Because what? They're here. Like, Stevie B and Goodman and Bridges, they're all here right now shooting this scene. There's no reason, there's no fucking reason why they couldn't have an over-the-shoulder shot to show Donnie in the same physical space as Walter and the dude. There's no fucking reason. 
and yet they choose to just go shot, reverse shot. Donnie by himself, Dude and Walter by themselves. Now to me, it seems to me like a series of victimless crimes. Except the victim maybe is the audience. Because like you, it's all about this filmic geography. You don't have, you don't have intimate knowledge of this bowling alley, as a viewer watching this. You don't, you don't know where everything is, uh, w- what the layout is, where Donnie is. I mean, you can see the bowling alley in the background, so you assume he's near their right. lane. But it's like, generally, you strive to make it very clear to the audience, like, where everybody is in relation to everybody else. So it's not confusing. You don't want to put obstacles in the way of understanding the plot and what's happening. So it seems to me like they're doing this on purpose to somehow give it a sense of unease or, like, confusion. Because why well, Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you show Donnie? It could be the same shot, and he could even be the same size in the frame, you know, you could, you know, have a longer focal length lens, but shoot it from, like, over Walter's shoulder or from behind the dude. Donnie could still be big, but you'd have this vague sort of blurry Walter shoulder in the foreground. Oh, now I understand where they are. Why wouldn't you do that? Same thing with the Jesus. I don't get it. Well, the thing is, I don't feel like I ever... Like, watching the movie, right? I don't think that feeling ever occurs to you. Even subconsciously, right? This feeling of disconnection or the feeling that there's something missing. Well, me either, but until now that we're examining it, yeah, I this mean, is a weird choice. Yeah, and I think, again, talking about Donnie, like, it's very weird. Like, if you go, again, just a little bit forward, there's, so there's the sheesh reaction... And then later, after the dude storms out, Walter's like, he mouths like, oh, what a fucking baby. And then there's the reaction shot of Donnie again, where he's just like with his eyebrows, like, oh, yeah. You know, and again, it's just this weird. Yeah. Well, it's well, just like, separate... why do we keep cutting to Donnie? Well, he's a good actor. But there's like, they... there's just no, con- I guess what I mean by that is just, there's just like no connection. Well, I think maybe that's the point. Like, he is different from them. And he's uh, he's physically raised up. He's up on the wood surface. You know, he's up on the lanes. They want to make it clear, like, Donnie's the square. Walter and the dude live in a different sphere of existence. So they're making that clear from time to time. Like, he's different. He's a normal person. Walter and the dude are not. It's just reinforcing that, maybe? From time to time they want to do that? I don't know. But at this point in the movie where... So I've seen it with Smokey now, this weird cutting and editing style and framing, and I've seen it with the Jesus, and now I'm seeing it with Donnie. At this point, I don't even notice it anymore. And I, You're probably right. As a viewer... You don't notice it, even subconsciously, maybe. But until you pointed it out, I didn't really notice that they were doing that same thing again. Even meticulously scrutinizing this movie. Yeah. 
I really wonder if it is like my love of watching bad movies that often do have these ham-fisted reaction shots inserted in has made me sensitive to this. And now seeing this, I don't know, it is kind of rem- like, now that I'm sensitized to it, this is kind of reminding me of that. Well, it's, yeah, it's totally like that Robert Pattinson, Christina Ricci movie. I don't even remember what it's called now, where they were just cutting. And if you framed it up, I could overlay the shot of Robert Pattinson where they would cut back to him, just framed up dead center right there. And it was so weird and stupid looking, but it was basically this exact shot. But maybe we're just, uh, you know, we're just uh, old school, right? Like nowadays, people are just, just let it fly. Let's let it go quick. Donnie shows up. No time to do a, don't bother with the establishing shot. That's if you're like uh, some kind of, you know, film school stickler. Not if you're making real visceral cinema. You don't need that. Well, then why in the Robert Pattinson movie did it not work? Why did it jump out immediately to me how bad it was? Well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's not bad. Maybe it's just bad to you. But if the Robert Pattinson movie, why wouldn't this be bad? Because you're too distracted by all the antics to notice. Maybe. And Bella I do me. think... Bella I, Me was the name of the movie. Okay, Bella there me. it is. Sorry. Bella Me. Yeah. I would say that audio helps tie it all together also. The characters, you know, doing their bickering and Walter freaking out. Yeah. Hmm. Little details like the stitching of Austin on his shirt. Well, what I would say is, I think if you were to go back, and so right now, and this is here's a listener, or a yeah, a listener. Here's an exercise for the listener. If you want to go back to Big Lebowski and watch minute forty, which would be at thirty nine colon zero zero to forty colon zero zero of the movie, and watch it with the sound completely off, you'll notice how weird it looks. Like, I think yeah. when you're actually watching with the sound, it doesn't matter. And especially because you can kind of hear Donnie run up first. It kind of helps it establish that this is all, like, in the same universe. We're not ca- cross-cutting from, like, you know, one place to another, you know, across the universe or across time or anything like that. But if you watch it the sound, it's just like, why do these shots of Donnie making faces just keep flashing on the screen? That's weird. Right. Yeah, there's no, there's no bridges, there's no, um, there's no smoothers between it without the audio. Well, you know, a film is not just the visuals, I guess. It's, it's everything. And it's only when you get the context of each layer that it becomes whole. Which is why I love doing my audio-only exercise. You learn a lot about how a movie's put together doing that. So are there any audio notes for this? Did you discover, did you do that exercise for this minute? I did do that exercise for this minute. There's a couple of audio notes, but if I'm going to stick to the script here, as it were, okay. I wanted to point out, first of all, that Walter is wearing his dog tags, which I guess is not that big a revelation, but you can see, this is at 3923, and any shot of Walter, really, he's got one of those little chains Mm-hmm. around his neck that mm-hmm. are made up of the little balls and then it has the little 
uh, silver thing where you put a ball on each side and then press it down. Yeah. And the little the little wire that connects the balls snaps down into it. So that's his. He's wearing his dog tags there. So I guess he put his dog tags on in case he got offed in the handoff. He wanted to have his identification on him so that they could identify the body, give him a proper burial. Or maybe he just wears his dog tags all the time. Either way, he's wearing dog tags right now. So that's a visual slash reflective surfaces note. Yes, and the little clip that like holds the chain together stays consistent. Oh, it's not like okay. in one shot it's up high and another shot it's up low. Yeah, so they shot master shots of each scene. Didn't redo. Maybe they used the same take from each one. That's pretty good. I didn't notice that. Huh. Very good. Uh, another visual note is so there's a ball cap wearing ponytail guy in the background, He's sitting at one of the high top tables behind the bowling balls in the background. Yes. And when Walter says, "And I sure as shit don't fucking roll." That guy turns and looks, and he's like, looks in for a second, and then turns back and kind of shakes his head and goes, oh, I don't know what that guy's fucking problem is. 3926. Yeah. 3925, 26. He's like, it's almost like the guy sitting next to him. Right. Like, the fuck was that? Yeah. I don't know. And then shortly thereafter, the dude stands up to storm out, and the, the same guy kind of is looking over his shoulder, like, what? What's going on? What's this guy doing? Right, and then when it does the, the then when it cuts to the the shot of them walking, you know, down the the width of the bowling alley, in essence, while he's leaving, you can see as Walter and Donnie jump he's up. He's still looking. He's still looking at Walter, looking around the other way, looking at Donnie as they're coming up. Yeah, he's looking all over at these guys. Well, maybe and even as was... they keep walking, he's still kind of looking back, like what the. Well, possibly he was privy to the gun wielding incident yeah. from, you know, the smoky incident from before. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh, you got to keep your eye on this guy. He's a little unstable." But yeah, good continuity, and that's a uh, holy shit. Is that Liam back there? Is that Liam as they're walking out? Thirty nine forty six. He's got his uh, sort of blue, uh, very short sleeve sweater vest on, red sleeves. No, can't be. They wouldn't have Liam back there, would they? Oh, with like the the black, uh, it's like a black fest. He's back there walking. That's not Liam. It's not. That's not Liam. That's not. That's not Liam. No, that's okay. not Liam. What that? Whew. What he does look like is the guy we talked about. He's in the when was well, he? I got, think he was in the beginning. He has like a got the same uniform on. He has like a he has guys. yeah he has like a mullet. And a mustache. Yeah. Remember that guy? I do. That this guy, I mean, it's hard to tell he's back there, but he has that kind of same kind of mustache, that same kind of like, you know, just big mustache thing. Could be that guy. Could be that same guy. And then I do see a pinky back there at 3945. You can see a pinky back there, which I think is a pinky. Where's the pinky? So 3945, she's back. Frame left or screen left. Nah, it's not a pinky. It's just a person wearing a pink shirt. 
Oh, you mean down like bowling? I see. Yeah, down bowling. Yeah, that's just a person. Yeah. yeah, I don't think so. The uh, the guy working at the bowling counter, he's like doing the shoes. Yeah. I don't know. He's just interesting to look at. He is. He is. Kind of looks at the camera. Maybe he's, not. Maybe he's just. Ha- nah, he's just having a good time. He's enjoying his job. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, forget these. I mean, these extras, so many extras doing so many things. We could go on forever about them. Holy mackerel. Forever, forever. And that's the so, whole person's job. The first assistant director. Well. He gets to direct all of those people. I will yeah. say, those extras... A hell of a job. A lot of... This, is, this is, might be some of the best extra work I've seen. Ever. I don't know if I want to say ever. It's definitely the best extra work. Well, here's the thing. When extra work is good, you don't notice it, right? So... Unless you watch a movie 50 times exactly, in a minute. Exactly. So this is the first time I've ever, I think, so I shouldn't say it's the best I've ever seen, but this is the first time I've ever really appreciated extra work. This is, there's a lot of extras here, and they're all doing their own little thing. Each of them, and it's almost like, even though I've watched the movie 50 times, I've never noticed these extras. But if I, now that I choose to... Each of them has their own story. Their own to little tell. world. Yeah, their yeah. own story. They're all in their own little world. So think about that. As the director, you only have to worry about one world. And it's the main characters in the scene. Worry about that. You know? It's only if the extras have to like interact with the main players that as the director you have to worry about it. But in this shot where the dude storms out, and Walter and Donnie come chasing after. There's so many little worlds going on. And the first AD's got to, like, control all of those. Check out 3951 and think about the timing of this shot, which is already a complicated shot with all these worlds going on with all these extras. And, you know, the dude and Walter and Donnie are walking towards the camera. It's a tracking shot. You know, I guess they're on a steady cam or something or a dolly. And they're moving back. But at 39.51, they actually have an extra cross in front of the camera, between the camera and our triumvirate here. Mm -hmm. And there's some timing. You know, you got to cue that guy. He's got to come walking across and be all casual about it. It's good shit, man. And then in the background, you got that guy who walks up to the desk, holds his left hand out, and does a left hand shake. With the uh, ponytail guy in the sort of pinkish shirt comes up. Yep. Another woman comes in front of them and walks across, almost hits the dude. Like, man. So really, you establish yourself as a kick-ass first AD in the hopes of someday, you know, stepping up to the big leagues, I guess. And I wonder, we should probably look it up and see who the first AD was on this movie. And, you know, maybe that person has has directed a movie of their own now. I hear you tip-tapping. There I go. I'm going to it. That's fine, but because I have another... So, audio notes now. As you look that up, I'll just... I'll, mm-hmm. I'm going to move on to audio go, notes. Go for it. All right, so we go to 3933. I feel like this is... Maybe obvious, but I I always made note of the reaction, but I didn't really I didn't really 
concentrate too much on what exactly was being said. But at 39.33, Walter says, Shomer fucking Shabbos again, and it's too much for the dude. And he's like, oh, fuck, that's it, I'm out of here. Walter's like, oh, come on, dude. And he turns to Donnie. And I turn the subtitles on, and it just has, in parentheses, inaudible. But in fact, it is kind of audible. He says, baby. He says baby. He's calling the dude a baby. Is it audible, though? Well, I mean, if you, did your, if you did your headphones only listening, you could probably you could say. Cause, you I mean, can it definitely hear it. seems kind of like a he just mouths it, right? Yeah, you can hear it. So he mouths it. It's obvious even just from looking at it, but you yeah, can you... actually hear it. He's like, baby. And then even Donnie's like, eh, kind of. Baby. It's almost from the back of his throat. Baby. Baby. <laughs> and even Donnie's like, yeah, yeah. Baby. And Donnie just kind of tilts his head. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cough for a little while now. Go for it. <coughs> I don't have a mute button. I'm sorry, everyone. <clears throat> you need the kill switch. I just, yeah, I guess. The, uh... Or a mitten or something. Put it over the mic. So on that uh, note, do you want to hear who the first assistant director of The Big Lebowski is? I can't wait to hear. Jeff Raffner. Shit. He doesn't do shit. No. He, uh... So seriously, he was, does he have anything he else? Was, he... he was second unit director or assistant director on 43 titles. Wait, I know that. He was production manager on nine, producer on two, miscellaneous crew on three. Mm. So if we go way back, 1986, The Golden Child, he was the oh. second assistant director. So he was on the tail end of his career by the time the big... Lebowski um, rolled around. Yeah, kind of. Well, his the last well the last thing he was he was second unit or assistant director. Yeah, it was first the last thing he and this was the first assistant, assistant director was for it was a TV series called Kate Brasher. That was in two thousand and one. So you know the difference between first assistant director and second unit director. I believe so. But right. you can, well, I'll, I'll give a try and you can correct me, right? A second unit director is when they have a second unit. Like, literally, a second crew goes somewhere to shoot something. Like, they need a shot of the Golden Gate Bridge or a helicopter landing in the Arctic Circle or something. Right. And usually they just go the... shoot it. It's usually some kind of, like, just perfunctory, like, yeah, we need a shot of this thing. Or, like, for some reason, the classic shot I think of as second unit I don't know why this is, but from Lost Highway, when they would cut to random shots of like pans across the desert skyline, you know, they're out in the desert now. We're just going to cut to a shot panning across the mountains. Mm -hmm. Well, that's second unit. There's no actors there. Definitely no principal actors. It's just like random shit that you have to use to fill in the gaps. But exactly, yeah. 
helicopter landing in the Arctic or like traffic in Washington, D.C. Ooh, Harrison Ford's in the Pentagon giving him business. Need an establishing shot of Washington, D.C. Second unit, go do it. Yeah. But first assistant director, they're on set with everybody, with the main crew. Yeah. And almost all of these titles, he is first assistant director out of these 43. There's a couple where he's second assistant director or second second assistant director. Oh, when you said 43 titles, you meant those were the credits that he had. Yeah. I thought you were referring to... He had... (laughs) Oh, I thought you were referring to movie 43... (laughs) Which I watched. I don't want to skip ahead. To- <laughs> I came close to watching that a couple times over the last month. Oh, man, you should have. Because I, in a, in a, uncharacteristically, shit. found myself kind of, at night, kind of sitting in front of the TV. Just me, kind of like, what the, the I'm just going to put something on. Yeah, what and do that, I do now? And for whatever reason, Netflix keeps putting it at the top, like, oh, check this out. Like, new release. And I was like, yeah, that movie yes. just doesn't look good. And oh, I think it got, like, the worst reviews oh, ever. Oh, terrible. Terrible. And Netflix was like, our best guess for Adam, <laughs> 1.3 stars. It's like, yes. I don't know what my problem is, but if Netflix doesn't give it three stars or more, I just don't watch it, you know? But I don't know why. Like, are they the arbiter of taste for me? Like, how often are they correct? Not that often. Sometimes, but not that often, really. I'm like, you know what? Movie 43 starring, you know... Emma Stone, Stephen Merchant, Richard Gere, Liev Schreiber, like, Hugh Jackman, like, you know what? Such a shittily rated movie with all those people in it. I'm just gonna watch it. (laughs) Wow, Brad. Watch that movie. Pretty bad. Oh, it's not. No, that's that's not correct. That's not the right word. Those aren't the right words to describe it. Um, yeah, just <laughs> something that just has to be experienced. It needs to be experienced. No one can be told what movie 43 is, they can't. You just need to experience it. But that's what I thought you meant when you said. 43 titles. I thought you meant movie 43. Because I kind of no. watched it and then forgot about it. But okay. Yeah, no, no. He had 40. He, he was first assistant director on 43 titles. Well, yeah, it's, that's second unit or assistant director or second, second assistant director. You know, that that including, didn't lead to more. Yeah, he was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. He was second assistant director in that. And that didn't live up to the original. But I will say after, well, he didn't. It didn't lead to more because I will tell you what. After he, all right. So I'll tell you what. He did lead to something. So after he was done with this being second unit director, assistant director, he went on to be the producer for 136 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Huh. And theoretically, is that show still on? I think it is. 
Is it? I've never seen an episode of it. I've never seen an episode of it either, but it says 2007 to uh, 2013 producer, 136 episodes, so, yeah. Now, that show doesn't star the guy from Full Metal Jacket, right? Michael, no. Uh, Blonde-haired guy. Maybe he was in the movie Grey's Anatomy. There's a Grey's Anatomy movie? Matthew Matthew Modine is that who yeah, you're talking Matthew about? Yeah, Matthew Modine. He's not in that, right? He's not in Grey's Anatomy. No, Grey's Anatomy had uh, Patrick Dempsey and Listen, Catherine Heigl and Sandra O. Oh. There was a movie called Grey's Anatomy, and Matthew Modine was in it. I'm gonna look it up now. Um. Oh, I think he, I think that sounds gross. Right. Anatomy. Gross Damn anatomy. it. Yeah. I can, gross Anatomy. I could picture it in my mind. Boy, in uh, 1989, I thought that was a pretty cool movie, but 5.8 stars on IMDb. I guess my 13-year-old self was kind of a clueless asshole. Oh, well. Live and learn. It also starred uh, Daphne Zaninga. (laughs) Yes. Who was the Druish princess in Spaceballs. Oh, and she was she... in the fly too. Was she ever in anything else, though? I don't know, but I, I watched... need to look her up. I watched the fly with Jeff Goldblum not too long Chef ago. Jeff Goldblum. What a disturbing movie that is. Even even today, even still, it's yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't that um? That's gross. That's a gross disturbing. That's um. Movie. Uh, what's his name? Um, it's uh, Cronenberg. Cronenberg. I was gonna say Jeff Cartman. Yeah. Well, John Carpenter, well, David Cronenberg yeah, doesn't Cronenberg. not make a disturbing movie. I mean, not that spoiler. I... Spoiler alert. Cover your ears for five seconds if you haven't seen The Fly. But the woman gives birth to a maggot. Like that's pretty disgusting. I don't think the 1958 version had a woman <laughs> giving birth to no, a maggot. No. That came squirming out, but that's right around. in the center of. Uh, that's right in the center of Gronenberg's wheelhouse, though. Yes, women giving birth to maggots. What is sounds weird to say out loud, but it's true. <laughs> what is? What happened to that guy growing up? I, don't I mean, know. look at his picture on IMDb. I mean, he's hanging outside of elementary schools by fences, looking in there. Oh, come on now! He's horrible. Look at him. Look at him. Terrible. What if you saw that guy creeping around? You'd call somebody. Ugh. He, uh... Nasty. He, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, spider. Right. A mentally disturbed man takes residence in a halfway house. His mind gradually slips back into the realm created by his illness where he replays a key part of his childhood. I wonder if that key part of his childhood is completely horrible. I missed this one somehow. What, Spider? Spider, I'd never heard of this one before. Why I'm surprised. Make it a point to watch Cronenberg movies, really. Oh, wait, he directed a version of Crash. He directed the only version of Crash, didn't he? Oh, I suppose so. It's that weird... Car crash sex movie. Right. 
Right, not the one that had the same name. Yeah, not the one that had the same name that like won the Academy Award. How right. many people went out to the video store and were like, ah, I've heard all about this movie. I'll take this home. Right. And then here it is. Oh, this uh, this seems like a movie. They literally know. Yeah, they're renting a movie directed by a man obsessed with women giving birth to maggots. <laughs> I'm going to cough for a while. <coughs> Uh, uh, I have more audio notes. <clears throat> Let's move on from Let's Cronenberg. Do it. Let's do because it. now, God bless you, David Cronenberg. I, I respect your career, but I just sometimes I don't want to look at that. So another audio note is. I guess this makes sense, but as so the dude storms off, Walter and Donnie chase after him, and and you said this is Booker T and the MGs playing in the background, right? Uh yes, I believe so. I'd have think to so. re-listen. Is that is that still what's playing? I think so. Anyway, the background yeah, that's music, what we got. as they go up to the upper level and start walking out, gets louder, like noticeably louder. This is at thirty nine forty. Or I guess maybe a little before that. But as, as they go up to the upper level, right after Walter says, Dude! Dude! The music gets much louder. Which... Curious. So imagine being in the sound mixing session. Alright, they go up here. So maybe it's not as bombastic up here. So you need to, like, Fill it in so it doesn't get awkward. Kind of like, you know, sort of massaging these awkward cutaways of Donnie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're massaging it. You're doing a little audio massage here. Like this scene, it's not quite a little awkward. Bump up the music, I guess. Who wants an audio massage? <laughs> audio massage. That was like right in my ear a little bit and it made me uncomfortable. That was my I, I audio massaged your ear. You definitely did, because you were right in there. I got headphones on, and it came right into my ear hole. 39.55, Brad. They're going to kill that poor woman. They're going to kill that poor woman. Walter goes all crazy and is yelling out through the bowling alley. They're going to kill that poor woman. Meanwhile... Donnie is still hyper-focused on Shabbos. Yes. <clears throat> but he says, hey, Walter, you know, after all of this, this is like, what, 30 seconds later? And that's all he's thinking about. He's so curious about Walter not being able to do anything on Saturdays. He's like, hey, Walter, if you can't drive a car, how do you get around on Shabbos? He says, Shamus. Yes. You notice that? I noticed that. Shamus. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fantastic. You can't drive a car. How do you get around on Shamus? But the subtitles say Shabbos. Yeah. But, but well, they cheated that. Well, he says Shamus. Yeah. But even when I hear it, I'm like, did he... Was it, is it just like the... 
Does he really? Because it's not like, sh- yeah. I guess I don't know. I guess you're right. He does say Shamus. I just he have says to say Shamus, and it's not like, and it's an intentional thing. But you know, while we're talking about this whole exchange yeah. again, I just have to say, well, one, okay, him coming back to the Shamus thing, it is what we see with the, with these three all the time is these like two levels of conversation happening simultaneously. And Donnie's always behind. Yeah, that we used to call, that was like, you know, we, we, we kind of uh, compared it to uh, Mamet or uh, Sorkin. Sorkin, yeah, that's the guy's name. Yeah, Sorkin. That asshole. <sighs> but they do... Uh, he's an asshole because he's awesome. For no other reason. I po- my apologies, Aaron. You're not really an. A- well, maybe you are. I don't know. You might be. You a might total be. Buck, but he takes he 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 writes his stuff on mushrooms. So I don't know. Is that true? <clears throat> You've heard this. He got arrested in an airport because he had a bag of mushrooms on him. Now, why would you take a bag of mushrooms <laughs> to an airport unless you were on mushrooms? Well, maybe maybe that was it, <laughs> or he just has so much money he just forgot, like. What's this okay, in my I coat pocket? I, oh, shit. I think I cleared out all the mushrooms from my luggage, my pockets, my coats. Ah, oh, damn it, I forgot that bag. Here, let me just eat them real quick. He's in line, <laughs> you know, security. Yes. Shit, let me just eat it. Hey, you owe me 50 bucks, man. So, uh... That's a Super Troopers reference, Brad. All right, yeah, I'm you not... You gotta I'm not, watch it. I'm not hip to that. You must... So the 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 the, the action here, mm-hmm. right? The drop. So how did that go? Oh yeah, it went pretty good. His <laughs> car got a little dinged up. up. Yeah, I love <laughs> this so much. Again, it ties into the whole like, you know, we've I mentioned it in the last like three to six episodes. But again, the whole Walter like, yeah. Well, but again, Walter being right, I don't know. Well, that's I, I don't need to rehash there. it. I just have no, to but, point out that it's just awesome. But Walter's right again, because he says, he says, went all right. Dude's car got a little dinged up. Well, I think it's just before that. So at uh, just when they take off, he says, "You just tell him, tell him we made the drop and everything went, you know, like oh everything's fine." What the hell? It's cool. He's right. Everything did go fine, as far as anybody else knows. Because the titular Lebowski just thinks, gave him a ringer anyway. Uh, the nihilists... You know, the dude and Walter can just be these this detached third party. For all the mayhem that they tried to introduce into the scene, it actually didn't make an impact. Because it was already bullshit. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it does make sense. I'm thinking about it, but you're right. They're just playing on much the as, periphery of this whole thing. Right, and for as much as they tried to fuck it all up, they really didn't. They couldn't fuck it up any more than it already was. So, Walter's right again, plot-wise. Walter's right. He's He's... Sort of the um, the voice of reason that's just telling us exactly what's happening. 
but since we see him point guns in people's faces and roll out of cars with Uzis firing off, we just choose not to believe him. It's a little like, it's a sleight of hand. It's like sort of like a narrative sleight of hand that they're doing where the craziest guy in the movie is telling us exactly what's happening, but we choose not to believe him because most of his actions are so insane. Meanwhile, just listen to Walter and you'll know what's happening. There's aggressive bag noises at 39.56, too. As Walter is saying, they're going to kill that poor woman. 39.54, I guess, really. He's waving his arms around saying, they're going to kill that poor woman. It's like, well, we got to get some bag noises in there. The one thing I notice um, is, you know, the dude storms off and Walter then comes running up the steps after him. And it is like he does seem like he's kind of sorry or he's like he wants to kind of placate the dude or please him. He wants to make. He's like, dude, dude, um, yeah. you know, just tell him we made the drop and everything went, you know. He's so. So it's almost like it's like a foreshadowing to, the end, right when the when Walter. I don't know how to describe it. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but. Well, I'm just saying, like he's so certain, that, you know, of what's actually happening. You know, there's there's surface level things, but Walter's able to see past it mm-hmm. and understand the motives of every character. Not of every character, but every person, you know, from his point of view. He understands the motives of people. He's been through the shit. He's he's especially in tune with the human condition, having having been through Vietnam and experienced the worst and the rawest of human emotion. He feels like he's in a special position to like see through all the bullshit and know the intentions of everyone. And he's right. He actually does. So that moment where he comes running up after the dude, he's like, you're right, that is him apologizing, sort of, like, or at feels least... a little bad, but he's like, it, he knows it so fundamentally, what exactly is happening, and then that's the moment where he realizes, it's obvious to me, but it's not obvious to everybody else, and I have to, like, it's almost like dealing with a child who wanders into the room in the middle of a movie and wants to know what's going on, he's like, and he realizes that in that moment, where he, he takes it for granted, but he can't assume that everybody else is up on his level. And then when, you know, when all right, dude's car got a little dinged up. The dude's reaction then. And again, he goes walking, he back. walks backwards, but then he's like, Walter, we didn't make the fucking handoff, man. They didn't get the fucking money. Like his whole body is shaking. <laughs> his hair is like his head, like everything. Like he's really, racked with anger at that moment. Yeah, jerking. Like, his whole body is convulsing. Head, like, peacocking back and forth. Which, again, I can just relate to this relationship of, like, you think something is a certain way, and the other person is just so calm and just doesn't see it. It's like, it's no big deal. 
I can and your body starts convulsing with anger. Why just... don't you get this? Yeah. But it's a lesson for all of us. So in those moments of such frustration, perhaps the other person who's so calm and so um, cocksure of their own rightness, maybe they are, in fact, correct. Maybe you, the person who's losing their shit, is uh, a little out of their element, to use the parlance of our times. You know, once once aggressive emotions like that start to cloud your judgment, well, maybe you're not not the best person to, you know, take uh, to assess a situation. No, definitely, definitely not. And here's another thing about that, which I was thinking about. So. What I've found is I am not good at, like, letting the little shit slide and, like, maintaining composure and, like, being cool with the little, the little, de- the little minuscule detail, like, the little stuff. Like, I don't even know, I can't even think of an example, but, like, oh, there's a a dirty fork on the couch. Ah! That just, ah, drive me crazy. Ah, there's a dirty fork on the couch. Why is there a dirty fork on a couch? Meanwhile, we get into a horrific car accident. Bam! <sighs> car is totaled. Chaos. Broken glass. Twisted metal. Okay. It's alright. We're gonna get through this. But I'm totally calm and I can deal with it. That fucking dirty fork on the couch. Right, it's like right. I, I tend to like just want to lose it. Like, why that's so easy? Just don't put the dirty fork on the couch. Or like, I don't even know what. That's the best I can come up with right now. But Walter, Walter is a guy who, if it's going to come down to like a face-to-face confrontation with leather-wearing, car-burning shitty kraut rock playing sword wielding nihilists he's perfectly calm he's in his element i can deal with this but if he has a bowling game scheduled for a saturday he loses his fucking shit right yeah meanwhile the dude is able to let the little shit slide but big deals like losing a million dollars or his car being set on like he can't handle it so they're they're very, um, I guess they work together like that. Yeah, another way that they're like the yin and yang. Yeah. Totally. That's some insight right there. I'm going to have I've... to think about that. But yeah, I think you're totally right. Oh, right. Yeah, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. It's something I've come to recognize about myself, though. For some reason, all, like these little things, like why do I let them bother me? Don't. It's no big deal. Meanwhile, the shit is hitting the fan. The house is on fire. It's all right. We're going to get the hose. We'll hose it down. Come on, mm-hmm. everybody out. If we can get the pets, we get the pets. If we don't, then they die. They're animals. They're not humans. We'll try, but if it's too dangerous, then, you know, you just manage the situation. But shit, man. Like, I, the door was, was, the windows open and the air conditioning's on. Holy shit. 
Right. It's all, it's all fucking Well, I done. think, you know, so I'd say I definitely fall in that category. Which one? Your, your category of the big shit, you can deal with it, right? Easy. No problem. And I think there's something to do with that, like, partly when you go into, like, that kind of a crisis, like you're in a car accident, your house is on fire, like, you kind of move into some mode, like, your mind is able to do this, like, it's just some type of, uh... Not I, I'm not panic, but it's like I've, it's like the opposite of that. Like you get some type of clarity, some type of focus happens. Like something happens to your mind from that kind of a stress. Yeah. I think. Um, and it's almost like in these things, almost it is like a life and death type of thing. And like it's like okay, like your mind goes. Whoop. Yeah, like the earthquake happened here. What was it? Two years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. We're up on the fourth floor. So there was some pretty good shaking going on. I felt it, wasn't sure. And then it was like, oh, shit. This is an earthquake. And I went outside. Not outside. I went into the cube area. I'm like, okay, everyone, get under your desks. Get down. Stay underneath there. Get under your desk. Get under now. You know, meanwhile, other people are like, running around like all crazy I'm like everybody just get under the desk stay there until this is over it won't be too long <laughs> so it's an earthquake and I knew it was an earthquake I shouldn't be rational I should be freaking the fuck out but god damn it if there's too much traffic on the way to work holy shit am I pissed well I think part of that is so the second part of this is you know getting pissed at stuff like that has to do with the fact that that's like the regular like operating procedure right like somehow the universe has been constructed in such a way that <laughs> yes there are forks on the couch like what is this do we live like animals i can't with chocolate on them you know i just exactly. ate pudding with the fork and now the forks on the couch Exactly. And it, it turns into some kind of, in my mind, some kind of like, well, this is just the problem. It's just like the problem with everything, the way my entire life is structured. Like, I'm, we, I should just live in a room by myself without forks or chocolate or couches. <laughs> like, that's what we need. That's the solution to this problem. Because I'm sick of seeing chocolate forks on the couch. Just bare white walls. You know, linoleum or tile, something that can be easily cleaned. Exactly. Exactly. So, I don't know. Yeah, I would say I definitely fall into that that category. But I don't know that that's a... I mean, it's good to maintain your cool in a crisis situation, but I think that's more than negated by, like, losing your shit at stuff that doesn't matter. Because really, a fork on the couch... Who cares? I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right. But at the same time, right, what happens in my mind is, okay, I'm trying to maintain a certain quality of life, and I'm attempting to, like, always improve that, right? Like, I'm always attempting, like, you know, I think most of us are trying to do that. Well, like, if you're not doing that, you know, get busy living or get busy dying, exactly. man. Make things... Better. And that could mean a lot of things, right? It could mean like, well, we're trying to get more money and maybe nicer furniture, or it means I'm trying to, or it could mean, you know, okay, well, 
you know, I want a better work-life balance, so I'm gonna like maybe not go for this raise, but then I can like not be stressed out and I can spend more time with me. You know, everyone can figure that out for themselves. But then when you're trying to like do that improvement, but then it's actively being worked against in a regular fashion. I don't know. I mean, it's what is it, control then? You know, you're trying to exercise control over your surroundings, and when that control is threatened. But then why, like, you know, the big shit, the, the, the chaos, the big chaos that happens, the car accident or the fire, like, that's, you're not in control then, but you're cool with it. Like, you can deal with it. Well, with the car accident, you know, it could be, like, you almost die there. Yeah. So you get into the place of, like... Uh, a fight or flight? Well, not just fight or flight, but, like, you're suddenly then... You're suddenly faced with the truth of existence in a big matters way. And what doesn't what matters matter. and what doesn't matter. Exactly. You come face so. to face with it. So The magnitude of my own lifelong folly is revealed to me in a blinding flash. Yep. Speaking speaking of a blinding flash, here I put a link here. This is in the um other section. It's the first link. I don't know if you looked at this. You've probably already seen it twenty times. But this is the um univer the Free University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. They put up these I don't know how to describe them. Uh, not motivational signs, but signs. And one of them was, this oh, is just yeah. on their campus, new shit has come to life. Yes, yes, yep. <laughs> uh, you know, they're they're a bastion of, of learning. And the way they, uh, <laughs> you know, objectivize right. this is by putting up a sign that references, that quotes the Big Lebowski. New shit has come to light. Right. It's, and they misspell Lebowski. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, I've, I've seen this. And I don't know. It's such a weird thing. It's like, what a bizarre quote to put up there. Well, it, you know, it's an institution of learning where new shit should always be coming to light. So it, it's yeah, weird, that's but true. it makes a certain amount of sense. I just wish they would have spelled Lebowski with an I instead of a Y. Well, maybe that's the... Uh... You know, the Dutch spelling or whatever. <laughs> Maybe. They didn't want it to be too, what, German or Polish or something? I don't know. Well, you said it's in Amsterdam, right? Right. So that could just be the deal. I'm sure that, you know, they may have a grudge or two against the Germans. Like everyone. <laughs> no offense, Germans. And then I don't know why I put a picture of a penguin urinating on a bride in her wedding dress, but I put that there too. Not sure what the point of that was. But you know, like, I'm working. unable to look at it. Well, you have to copy it and paste it into a new I tab. See. Doesn't want to take you there immediately. And then the dudes, just real quick, the dudes, uh, you know, sort of three-quarter sleeve baseball shirt he was wearing in the West Wing, when the titular Lebowski was in seclusion. Yes. And it had the scribble of mm -hmm. the um, whatever Japanese characters and the baseball player. Right. Who was apparently Sadaharu O. Well, his 
home run record was recently broken by uh, an outfielder named Vladimir Balantin. And he broke Sadaharu O's single-season Japanese home run record. It's on September 13th he did this. Got two home runs in the same game. It's a record that stood since 1964. Almost a 50-year-old record. Bam. That is not the guy on his shirt. Damn it. Isn't it? Is it not? Oh, no, you're talking about the guy in this picture? The guy who... Sadaharu O is oh. not the guy on the shirt. The guy on the shirt is... Kaoru Beto, who played for the Osaka Tigers in 1948 and 1949. Oh, I should have known this. Known as the gentleman of baseball, Beto was one of the first Japanese power hitters. We already talked about this. We did. I should have known better. I thought it was O. You're right, though. It's Beto. It's Beto. Well, O was no gentleman. Put it that way. All right, well, Japanese. Uh, I never claimed to be an expert in Japanese baseball, so I tried my best. I think that's all I got. We'll try. That's all I got, man. That's I, all you got, uh, period? I, I think. I'm not sure. Um, I think that's all I got, too, to be honest. I mean, I didn't have anything in the dreams and movies we've seen, but I did talk about uh, movie 43. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have um, <clears throat> movies. Yes, I definitely have movies. Well, listen. Usually, I'm the one like. But I don't think we want to get into them at this on. point. I, I yeah. want to hear about them. I want to hear about them. I mean, we're in one twenty-two here. I'll just mention the movies. Just mention the movies because it has just been like you mentioned them. a month before we recorded. So I actually we have can seen talk a about bunch. Some, right? Usually there's nothing, and I'm like, oh, I saw this. I was like a pathetic loser on yeah. the couch at midnight watching some shitty movie. You can be that guy for so, once. So I watched three documentaries about filmmaking. You are so much better than me. I watched, and the reason I did is because I started. I started. I happened upon Netflix. I watched side by side which is this Keanu Reeves documentary about right. film versus digital, a right. topic near and dear to our hearts. And right. our, in this podcast we talked about, so there was a whole like, you know, 90 minute, 120 minute, I don't know how long, I don't remember how long it was, but documentary just delving into this issue. Was Marty Scorsese interviewed in a highly stylized looking auditorium? He without a doubt was. <laughs> <laughs> and did you watch the trailer for that I sent you? I think so. Because it also featured our favorite like, man, David Lynch. Maybe I didn't. Oh, shit. I was listening to Pandora the other day. And for some reason, I was listening to, like, Sparkle Horse and someone radio i forget who the someone was but then a sparkle horse and someone song comes on and i swear and i haven't looked this up yet but i swear to shit david lynch was doing vocals for it he was singing it 
Could be possible. And for some reason, that makes a perverse sort of sense for him to be, you know, thick as thieves with Sparkle Horse. I'm not sure why. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm just so stoked I finally got to watch the most recent season of... Right. Because, God damn it. Lynch fucking ruled that. Doll. Doll. God bless uh, Louis C.K. He's uh, so awesome. Uh, he gets David Lynch in his show. Uh, so, all right, movies. Movies. So you saw Side by I'm Side. I'm going to try to wrap this up quickly. quickly. Enjoyable, yeah, though? You liked it? It was enjoyable. Um, yeah, it was definitely enjoyable. Maybe Keanu um, should stick to documentaries? Possibly. <laughs> side by Side. And then this is how I ended up watching it, because then it was like, okay, you've watched Side by Side. Here's the related movies to that. And so then I saw this. Then again, how all these things start. It's like I see the little icon for it. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what that is. Let me just hit play just to like watch the first couple minutes. And I ended up watching the whole thing. The next thing I watched was The People versus George Lucas. What? Which was this Star Wars documentary. In oh essence, just saying like, you know, George Lucas. So Ruined Star Wars. It wasn't really saying that. I mean, that's what it seems like it's saying, and the movie gets like projected that way. I think the filmmakers tried to make more of a neutral statement about what responsibility does the filmmaker have to, you know, the, is the is the filmmaker? I can't know how to put this. Beholden to his own aura. Well, I'm not to I his would, own creation or yeah. something. Like, how much is Star Wars George Lucas's, and how much is Star Wars actually ours, uh, culturally? And does well, he have the right to actually go back and screw it up? And they made an interesting point. It's I'm not, not ours s- at all. Like, I hate George Lucas. I don't hate him. I think he's a hack. I think he's a shitty director. But it's not ours at all. He can do whatever the f he wants. To I don't. So I don't agree with that. And I, I might have agreed with you before watching this movie. And I'll say I'm not sure. Well, that's a sign of a good documentary, then. They, you were thinking one way. You took a particular stance. Yeah. By the end of the movie, you might have a different stance. Right. And what I'll well, say is, and I think what's good is I didn't, I'm not necessarily leaning the other way. Because I don't think it was necessarily propagandistic to be like, oh, it's definitely the other way. I think, though, it made me think about it and think about all the issues. And I'm not necessarily sure because... Here's did you one, say propagandistic? I did say that. Okay. Here's the one thing I'll say about it. In 1977, Star Wars won the Academy Award for Best Special Effects. Okay. You cannot see that movie or those special effects today. It is simply not available. Um, I don't think that's true. I have it on VHS. I no. mean, it is not available in print anymore anywhere. Yes, you can go back and find old copies and watch them. Oh, I see. You mean you could not go and purchase a copy of right. that right now? And you now, can't like see it on new... Blu-ray, right. you know, restored. No, that's you can't get it on DVD. Which is why I only I have the VHS copies, and that's how I forced my daughter to watch it. I'm and are those VHS copies shit. letterboxed? No, they suck. So there you go. So you can't even see it. Exactly. You can't go back to its original form even there, right? I've heard rumors. There's laser discs. That you can... There's this thing... 
um, it's called like Tourette's. You can Tourette's them. I don't know. I wouldn't know about this. Tourette's, is that it? You can Tourette okay. it? Yes, I know what you're talking about. Let's put it this way. Yes, they're out there in some form. Okay. But. Which like, I think means if you say... just swear and like, like curse George Lucas loud and long enough, then they just start downloading to your computer. Something like that. But if but at the same time, like what does it say to the people that say worked on those effects, right? That built those miniatures and filmed them blowing up and did all that stuff and now it's like, yes. You're shit. <laughs> I'm just deleting all your stuff from, from existence now, from the from the historical record. Right. And right. it goes so far to say, like and the other thing to say is because again, all these people have done these petitions to say, Oh, you, George Lucas, you need to release it and things like that. <clears throat> Supposedly, when they made the special editions, they destroyed the negative. Which I don't know if that's true or not. Some people that debate. That sounds like conspiracy talk, Brad. Well, I'm saying that's what George Lucas claims. That's what Lucasfilm claims. It's not possible because in order to restore it, we took the original negative, cut it all up to do our thing, and now it's like not, it doesn't exist anymore. That's what they claim. I don't buy it. There's not one copy of the negative. They made... Well, there's an original negative of the movie. There's an original negative of the footage, but like... Okay, maybe it's not as pure, but they made copies of that. You can there's make print prints of that. Yeah, but, but you know... But okay. You can have very high quality prints. So, yes, probably... Technically, they quote-unquote destroyed the negative, but... That doesn't mean you couldn't have a perfectly fine copy of that movie from, you know, a, a version on celluloid that you and I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I don't know. You know? Yes. Well, all this aside, yeah, I'll just say is I think it's a trickier question. What's the question? About Star Wars. Who owns it? Is it? I'm not going to say who owns it in a legal sense, right? I'm not going to say he legally maybe I'm doesn't have the right to I'm not saying legally either. You know full well what I'm talking right. about. Well, ownership sounds like a legal thing to me. But in the sense of the fact is, like, I feel like as a film, as a person interested in film, I should be I'm, able to watch the 1977 I'm talking version about of ownership in the educational sense. Yeah. The kids have ownership of their learning, you know? Right. Like, who's learning is it? The teacher's learning or the student's learning? Well, duh. Is our children school. learning? Is our children learning? And in this case, the audience, you and I, the, the consumers of Star Wars, we're, we're the students. We're the children. So in that case, we need to, well, and we are because we take Star Wars and appropriate it for ourselves because look at all of the cultural references and fan films and makeshift costumes and everything we do with it, right? All right, so maybe I'm coming around. In a perfect world, you know, the students have ownership of their learning, and the the consumers, the audience of Star Wars, should have ownership. I mean, on film. some level, it's a He made it for us. Like, you know, like, what if someone, like, there's a, like, I don't know, like a book. Like, I don't know, like, it's just like, oh, yeah, I don't like this work anymore. Like, man, I don't know. It's just weird. It's part of, at this point, it's part of history. So, 
I, you know, I make some movies once in a while, but I don't make them for the audience. I make them for myself. And then I hate them. I think they suck, but then I find myself watching them. Nobody sure. else watches them, but I watch them. But Lucas doesn't make movies for himself. He makes movies for the audience so that he can make a fuck ton of money. So in that respect, maybe, you know, if you're going to make that kind of movie that's marketable and marketed towards your audience, maybe you do relinquish a certain percentage or portion of your quote-unquote, not in the legal sense, ownership of your movie. And then he convinced Spielberg to take all the guns out of the FBI agent's hands in E.T. and replace them with walkie-talkies. Did he do that? Oh, Lucas was behind that? Lucas was behind that. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, I went back and changed some Star Wars. You know, it's not too late for you to do the same thing to E.T. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if he said it explicitly, but after he did that, Spielberg was like, boy, I'm really uncomfortable with these FBI agents having guns and these children. And he went back and digitally replaced all of the walkie-talk or guns with walkie-talkies. Yeah, I remember that when he when he changed that around. And he changed the line from you know terrorist and changed it to hippie. But then he felt so shitty about it that Lucas was dragging him down into the pits of utter shit. He went back and like undid all of his. Uh, I don't want to call it handiwork. Let's call it uh, shit work. All the shit talk. All right. But yeah, he went back and said, no, this aggression will not stand and put the guns back in. I think he put the terrorist line back in, too. Although that one, maybe not. That still is a little dicey these days. Like, what if uh, the Cohen brothers decided... To re-release Big Lebowski, but replace Donnie with, like, a CGI creature. Or, like, just... No, just replace him with Ricky Gervais. Exactly. Put Ricky Gervais in there, and then... Make that be the only version of Lebowski that exists. The only time you watch it on HBO, Netflix, buy a disc. Like, that's it. It's only the Ricky Gervais as Donnie. That's the only way to get it now. That's kind of, like, fucked up. What do you mean you can't roll on Shabbos? You having a laugh? Is he having a laugh? <laughs> a fucking blow, man. That would send me into a rage. I like Ricky Gervais a lot. I love him, but I wouldn't want him to be Donnie yeah, yeah, in The Big no. Lebowski unless it was a separate version that I could watch in addition to the original Exactly. Version. Like a Blu-ray feature, like turn right. Gervais on or off or something. Yes. Right? <laughs> Gervais so. on, Gervais off. So, all right. Very quickly, I'm going to try to get through the other. Movies. Okay. <laughs> so I mentioned two of them. The third film movie I watched, which again, the end of People versus George Lucas, it was like, oh, here's some other movies you might want to see. And then I watched Best Apparently, Worst Netflix's Movie, which is the documentary. Algorithm about... was firing on all cylinders for you. So good. Go ahead. Troll 2. The documentary about Troll 2. 
which you is say the craziest shit sometimes. A, a crazy. A Troll Two is a crazy movie, a crazy bad movie. It's one of these it's, movies that's so bad it makes you ponder just how it possibly existed. And I will say, can, in this can movie, I wait? Can I ask a clarifying question sure, sure. first? Is there a troll? So there. This is what's very funny, right? <laughs> Okay, you're going to force me to talk about this now. Or is it called Troll 1? <laughs> <laughs> there is a movie called Troll. However, it has nothing to do with Troll 2. Troll 2 was not conceived of to be Troll 2. And in Troll 2, there are no trolls in it. They called the creatures in the movie goblins, not trolls. And apparently in the original script, the movie was called Goblin. However, at some point in like you know being purchased and going to distribution, it was retitled Troll Two. Brad, you say the craziest. So it's one of those things. Goblin, the family goes to the town of Nilbog, which you then realize is Goblin spelled backwards. It's a really awesome movie, and this was a documentary about it that actually kind of and it also kind of probes on the question of like how do movies like this get made, and how it's not just a bad movie. Well, let's put it this way. There are worse movies. There's movies that are actually, like, worse technically, right? Like, this is actually a movie you can sit down and watch, but what it really does is it makes you scratch your head. And there's be like, heaven How did and this there's get hell. Me? There's the extremes on either end. At both ends are fascinating. In between is purgatory or limbo or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And that's the shit that you can't really understand. And I get the sense that this movie exists yeah. somewhere in there where it's like, it's neither... Too bad or too good. I just don't get it. There's so, no reason for yeah. it. Well, again, no. I mean, the movie is really bad, right? But it's not that it's... What makes the movie so memorable is that it is just so strange. Like, you can't figure out. Like, it's just so... Like, the reasoning behind the movie is so um, indecipherable. And again, that could be because the director of this movie was Italian. The writer and director were both Italian. It was a husband and wife team. The wife wrote it and the husband directed it. Now, Brad, the Italians have a long, fine history of cinematic genius. So I won't argue that. I will not argue that. You can't just that. label them Italians and then it's well, like... Well, I'm, a... I'm, I'm not done yet. Because, well, but it was an Italian movie that took place in America about an American family. And there was definitely okay. a cultural I issue see. there. The director spoke English with such a thick accent, the actors could not really understand what he was saying at any point during the making of the film. Again, there's a lot of stuff in this movie with teenagers and teen culture, very weird, strange lines. And some of these actors, these teenagers, would say, like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why a teenager would never say this? And the director would just go, I understand American teenagers. You don't understand American teenagers. I understand them. I understand how they talk. Like, this is what we're doing. There's a beauty to that. Yes. There are some very bizarre lines and bizarre gestures in there. <laughs> like where yeah. there's a famous, there's a, one of the, the better, more well-known scenes is where, again, there's, there's a, uh, a teenage girl and then her boyfriend sneaks into her room looking for a little action, and she's like, get lost. And I forget, he makes some comment about something, and she, and she goes, well, why don't you release your pent-up energy into the bathroom or something like that? 
And to which he responds, what, are you trying to turn me into a homo? <laughs> to which she responds, if my dad finds out that you're here, he's going to cut off your little nuts and eat them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's bizarre. <laughs> I, I got a good raspy laugh. There's a beauty um, to it. There's a beauty to put, that kind of shit. Will, it's very Wissowisk. Yes, it's definitely Wissowisk. So I will put in the show notes a clip from Troll 2. Not the one oh. I discussed, and even better, the more, the most famous one. 22, about a 20-some second clip. But you haven't seen Troll 2. No, You've I've seen Troll seen 2. I've definitely seen Troll 2. I started yeah. watching this documentary not knowing it was about Troll 2. The name of the movie was Best Worst Movie... And the description said something like, you know, probes into how these bad movies get made and, you know, what they reflect about society or something like that. I'm like, oh, I love bad movies. I'll watch this. But it was only about Troll 2? But it was really the movie. Yeah, the description in, in Netflix was weird. Yeah, it was really just about Troll 2. I mean, it got into maybe, like, bad movies a little bit in general, like, philosophically. But it was really just about Troll 2. And it followed the actors from Troll 2, this movie filmed in the late 80s. And it caught up with them now and like what they're doing and how they dealt with the fact that this movie was filmed in the 80s pretty much undiscovered for like 15 years. And all of a sudden now it's like the most popular thing. You know, it shows in midnight showings. These actors, like they travel the country going to these midnight showings and doing appearances and everything now. Like, I'm going to say you watched this movie with a collection of your friends in a state that was not the state that you normally live in. That is correct. Yeah. You got that right. North Carolina. Yeah. You watched this movie in North Carolina. You got it. You got that right. I've seen a lot of movies in North Carolina that... That you would not otherwise have seen. You're correct about that. Yeah. So those are the three movie documentaries. I'm sure I've seen a lot of other movies. I will mention two that come to mind very quickly. <laughs> One of them is Shame, starring Michael Fassbender and... um. And, uh, Fassbender guys all over the place. Yeah, he is. I can't think of the woman now. What's her name from an education? Uh, God, what's her name? Oh, I gotta look it up. Boy, he's in eight movies right now that have either been announced or in pre-production or are filming or in post-production. Michael Fassbender. Carrie Mulligan. Yes, Michael Fassbender and Carrie Mulligan. Anyway, I saw that. I thought it was uh, actually pretty good, even if it was a little creepy. And it was maybe not one of these movies that you watch and are like, oh, like, I, you know, it's kind of like, it's much more like character driven than plot driven kind of a thing. And last, certainly not least, big news, big movie. I saw Gravity twice. Ah, shit. I haven't seen it yet, man. Can't yeah. talk about it. Won't talk about it. I wouldn't want to talk about it, except to say, you know, it was a movie I was highly anticipating for a long time. I was really happy I got to see it. I saw it twice because I went, because I pretty much couldn't wait to see it. And so I just went to see it on my own. Oh, and you didn't see it IMAX 3D, did you? And I saw it 3D, not IMAX 3D. But then I went to see it a second time with my wife because she didn't see it first time when she went to see oh, it. Oh, so you're a real it. son of a bitch. 
See, I would have seen it by now if that would have been the case. Yeah, no, I went. To, I went. I had. I just had to see it. The um and the thing that prepared for Casella in this last month, part of the reason we didn't, you know, one of the many factors contributing to our hate is, is I spent a week in Florida, and while I was down there, I did go to see, uh, to the, I did go to the Kennedy Space Center, which mm. really primed me then to go see Gravity several days later. Right. Which is how it worked because like, and I did see the in IMAX 3D. I saw the Hubble documentary and the ISS documentary. At the Kennedy yeah. Space oh. Center, which were visually like kind of the basis of these movies, right, right. Like you know, they looked at those like okay, like it needs to look like that, and right. That's and they yeah. So it really put me in the right frame of mind. And there's definitely, yeah, like things from the documentaries that are then like in this movie. Like it's like yes, like again, they're you know, just they're all striving in some ways for realism, even though it is still a fictional movie and. Anyway, I gotta see it. It's a so, it's, yeah. It's definitely. I won't talk it's, about it too much. I yeah, just, definitely worth seeing. See um, so there you go. I'm gonna end there. Okay. I got nothing else uh, as far as movies I've seen. So, although I did see Hit and Run starring Dak Shepard and Bradley Cooper, right? Isn't that okay? I don't know that movie. I know who both Dak Shepard and Bradley Cooper are, but and Kristen Bell. But it was just a his, stupid. His, his it's not very good. Yeah, but it was just something. I like Dax Shepard for some reason. I'm not sure why. I just he was on that reality show, the uh, sort of like candid camera thing, like ten years ago, nine years ago. I liked him since then. Uh, hmm. Shepard actually wrote that movie. Yeah. And co-directed it. Yep. It's fine. How about that? A fine, mindless, buff movie. Fine. I there we go. That. All right. Time All right, Bradley. to uh, time to, to do this. We to will wrap it up. Hit it. Run it. Run it up the flagpole. Clean up this uh, this shit, thing. Shit deck. No. Hey. Next time on Gutterball. See, dude, where is your car? <laughs>